Welcome to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Behold Israel provides biblical teachings through its tours, speaking events, and social media. It's also a reliable and accurate source for developments in Israel and the region. Amir's live updates and teachings are based on God's written word. Connect with Behold Israel on Telegram, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Download our free app, available on Android and Apple, under Behold Israel. Shalom, everyone. This is Amir Tsarfati, and I wanted to share with you a message that I got from the Lord, and it's called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly News. So let's pray and then dive into this message. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that uh, the good news came to the world. We're very sad that many rejected it. And we are also uh, aware of the fact that some of the things that this world is going to go through are things that we will still be here to experience. So Father, uh, this uh, afternoon I pray that you will uh, give us the strength uh, to listen to what the Spirit has to say And Father, bless not just the speaker, but the uh, ears that has to hear and the hearts that have to receive. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, shalom, everyone. Uh, The title of this message is definitely something that was inspired by the famous Spaghetti Western from 1967, starring uh, by uh, Clint Eastwood. It's a Sergio Leone a movie depicts a, um, a um, bounty hunter, a mercenary, and an colonel, uh, a bandit. And, uh, but I'm not going to talk about the movie. I'm going to talk about something completely different. I'm going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly news that we as believers can see and understand from what this uh, from the, what the Word of God tells us and what the world around us is showing us. And so we're going to start with the good news because oftentimes this is the last thing that people hear before they have to, uh, of course, they first have to hear all the bad stuff that is going on around the world. I need to tell you that there's enough bad stuff going on around the world that it's always actually good to start with the good things, to to remember that uh, uh, there is an amazing thing that happened 2,000 years ago because, uh, you know, often we forget that This is not our world. This is a very dark world. But 2,000 years ago, the light came into this world. In fact, the Bible says in John 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that, the, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. So God, 2,000 years ago, demonstrated his love to the world by not just having Jesus crucified on the cross, but more so when he brought him to the, lo- to the world, 
to be a light in the darkness. And Israel at the time, 2,000 years ago, may have had a beautiful you know, landscape and some sunny days, but it was spiritually very, very dark. And light indeed came to the world. John chapter 8, 12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He testified himself as to be one. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And therefore, not only that Jesus was the light of the world 2,000 years ago, but he turned to us and says, now you are the light of the world, and when they see you, they worship my Father. John 12 says, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. So the good news is light came to the world, and no one should be in darkness anymore. He who abides in him should not abide in darkness. However, we see that world events are pretty dark, yet world events do not stop the light of God. They never did and they never will. The Bible says in Psalm 2, why do nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bond in pieces and cast away their cords from us. But he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. <laughs> they cannot break that bond. They cannot... Um, Cancel that which God did 2,000 years ago, which completely changed their whole world, gave us that opportunity to now finally have peace with God and now become the light of the world. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Jesus was the word. It, was, uh, it never came back void. Jesus was sent, and it accomplished that which God sent him for, and it, it, it shall prosper again in the thing which he sent him for. So it's amazing. The light of the world cannot be canceled, cannot be undone, cannot be something that can be ignored. And even world events and world rulers cannot change it. It's something unshakable and unmovable, immovable. Romans 8 says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created things shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing in the celestial realm, nothing here on, on earth, no one, not a single thing is able to separate us from the love of God and the love of God that was demonstrated through Jesus Christ. So we have to remember, once that life came to the world and once we believed in him, this is it. We're, we're not going to be plucked out. We're not going to be taken away. We're not, we can withstand everything that is going on around us because he that is in us is greater than he that is in this world. And so... Jesus came 2,000 years ago, 
brought that light to the land of Israel, to a people that are in bondage, people who, who were in darkness, they have seen a great light. And upon those who were in the valley of shadow of death, light has dawned, the Bible says. But the light continued also through the church. And in Matthew 5, we see that he says, not only that he was the light, he says, now you are the salt of the earth, but it, if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now look what he says. Before that, he talked about, I am the light. Now he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, but they should glorify your Father in heaven. You see, we need to be very careful. We should do His will, and we should reflect His light, but not take His glory. They should see us being the light of the world, reflecting Christ in wherever we do, but they should praise our Father which is in heaven. And this is something, unfortunately, a lot of people miss out as they seek to take the glory to themselves. Ephesians 5 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So we are surrounded by darkness, but we are the light and we are called not to actually take part and have fellowship with unfruitful works of the darkness. And in fact, we should expose it rather than be part of it because what light has to do with darkness? 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And 2,000 years ago, when John saw Jesus, it wasn't about Israel only. <laughs> the role of Israel was to provide the belief in one God, to provide the Word of God, and to, to provide the Son of God. But the Son of God is not just coming to the people of Israel. The salvation is now available to all people. And that's an amazing thing. This is a, a game-changing thing. Isaiah 53, surely he has, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And not just the Jewish people, Acts 2, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, as Joel chapter 2.32 says. 1 Timothy 2 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You see, God desires all men. God did not create some to heaven and some to hell. This is a teaching that I reject all the time because, you know, scriptures are telling us that God desires all men 
to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, that man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world, not just Israel or the church, that he gave his only begotten son. But now comes our part to believe that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Not part of the world, few. God sent him that the whole world might be saved. But if there is one thing we know about God, he's a gentleman, and he is not going to shove himself down your throat by force. You know, he is going to knock on the door of your heart. And if you open that door, he will come in and dine with you. But of course, if you reject him, it's on you. God wants you to be saved, but he cannot save you against your will. That's the beauty of free will. This is why love even exists. Love is a choice, and that is the choice that is of free will. There are promises now that we know, but there are also promises for the future. And that's also part of the great news that we have. Look, those in Christ have a new status. We're no longer someone that uh, people that have uh, no relationship with God. We have finally fellowship with him. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to what? To become children of God. From being people who were separated from God, who were uh, having, you know, having animosity with God, that, who, who had no peace with God. Now we are not just having peace with God. We're not just relative. We are the children of God. And, and to those who believe in his name. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. We're not just, just children. We are the body of Christ. We are members. We are a part. We are the organs of what makes his body here on earth in the, in the form of the church. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled. So we, we, we understand that we, first of all, are children of God. Then we are the body of Christ. We are now ambassadors of Christ, which means not only that we are his children and his body, but we are now his representatives in a foreign place. We are on his behalf in a place that is no longer ours, but we are here to plead people, of course, to reconcile um, on Christ's behalf, to reconcile to God. That's what the Bible says. We're not just his children. We're not just his body. We're not just the ambassadors, but we are his own special people. The Bible says in 1 Peter, but you are chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation. You see, in this world, you may belong to a specific nation, but the minute you got saved and you received your heavenly passport, now you belong to a new nation. It's a nation that uh, cannot be corrupt. It's, it's something that, cannot be defeated. It's a nation that has already gotten the victory. The Bible says, 
You are a chosen generation, royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim. He's not just giving us that status for nothing. You may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who once were not people, but now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You see, the whole world now has a chance to come to be having peace with God, to be ambassadors of Christ, to be the body of Christ, children of God. Now there is a new nation, a special group of people that is called. And the amazing thing is, sin is no longer causing us to be condemned because from now on, ladies and gentlemen, once we accept Christ, we were plucked out of the condemned already to the camp of the not condemned. The Bible says in Romans 8, 1 and 2, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk with uh, according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Not only that, not only that we're not condemned while we're still here, but we're not destined for the wrath of God. We're not destined for that terrible seven years that are about to befall upon this world. Romans 5, 9, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved. You see, now we're justified. But in the future, in that wrath to come, we shall be saved from and not through the wrath. We're going to be saved through Jesus from the wrath. You understand? It's so important. These are the good news. These are the things we need to think about all the time. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 and 10. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had, uh, we had to you and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. What a great promise we have, not just in this world now, but for, you know, for, for the near future when the rapture will happen, of course, before the tribulation, because we are not destined to the wrath of God, the Bible says. First Thessalonians 5 9 to 10, for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. For the believer, death is no longer bad news. It's just to sleep. And whether we are awake, which means we're alive now, or we died in Christ, it, it, we will live. He says, we, you should live together with him. For us, death lost its sting. It's no longer an issue. There is no more that real meaning of death, which is separation from God. Now we are children of God. Now we are ambassadors of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are now people, special people, and a special nation, a new nation. And we will always be together with him. And life is what expecting us, not death. And this is... These are good news that we have to remind ourselves 
all the time. So listen, these are essential things that every believer must hold on to every day in this dark and evil world because this world is going to get darker and more evil every day. And this is why we now move to the bad news because <laughs> why do you think we call the good news good news? It's because there are also bad news and the bad news, I wouldn't, I wouldn't probably call it news because it's just bad all the way from uh, you know, Genesis chapter 3, but the world is under the sway of the wicked one. It's obvious that the, the, um, uh, the God of this age, the Bible calls him, he's definitely the uh, prince of the air. He's the ruler of this world. And we, sit, we can see how the whole world is moving closer and closer to the fulfillment of the plans of the evil one for this world. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 to 4, uh, 4 says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. This is a, you know, a very, very disturbing thing to see how people let the God of this age the, the God, in, not in capital G, obviously. They, they, it's be, and, and why is that? It's because they did not believe. They did not allow. They rejected. It's an active act of rejection of Christ. The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. They reject it and, and, and they don't want to believe him who is the image of God. They don't want his light to shine on them. So there are those who believe in that light of the world that came to the world and they turn into the light of the world. But there's those who now, in the bad news we know, reject him so his light should not shine on them. How sad that the one who came to give them life and to give them peace and to give them the only way, the truth. And I, that one was rejected and was actually exchanged with the one who is only into to kill and, and destroy and to rob and to, and to uh, you know, cause damage. The one who wants to give you life was changed with the one who wants to kill you and destroy you. It's it's beyond me, but we see this is indeed the craziness of this world. 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. You see, the Bible is very realistic as of what the world is going towards. What is the spirit that is in this world? This is why it's important that we remain the light of the world, that we will reflect the light of Christ. We have a huge responsibility because this world is under the sway of the wicked one. And remember, as I said, it all started in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3 when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. You see the desire, it was all the lust of the eyes and, it, you know, it's all about, you know, uh, being smart and educated and, 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 and look what he says. So she took of it, of this fruit and ate 
And she also gave it to her husband with her. And he ate. There is, look, there is no resisting. There is no thinking about what God said. There is no thinking about the consequences thereof. They just let their eyes lead them. They let their uh, uh, you know, passion and, and that is completely detached from um, the clear, um, uh, clear instructions from God himself. And she also gave it to her husband. The Bible says, and then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. For the first time, now they see something that in, in, in the perfect world should have not been seen. In the perfect world, God did not see them as naked. In the perfect world, God did not see them as unwise. God did not think that they are stupid. No, but suddenly, suddenly comes this, oh, we are naked. And then the Bible says they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. Look, isn't that interesting? They started being ashamed, embarrassed. They had to cover stuff. This is the first time we understand how sin immediately has its effect on people. And it didn't stop in the garden. You know, the footprints of sin and disobedience continued through Israel to Israel's establishment through Abraham and continued all the way to this day, if you haven't noticed. Following the initial sin in the garden, sin turned the world into violent, cold, angry, bitter, and unloving place. From Genesis chapter 4 forward, we can see the escalation. And so in chapter 4, we can see already the murder of Abel. And we move on to Genesis 6, when the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually from one very bad decision. Now every, listen, now it's every, every thought, every intent of the thoughts of his heart was not just evil, evil continually. And the Bible says, and the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. It doesn't please God to see people choosing darkness. It doesn't please God to see people lost, to see people making wrong choices, to see people suffering from the consequences thereof. It, it grieves God. It gotten to the point that he actually wanted just to destroy them all. And of course we know, but Noah. The Bible says in Judges 21 that after Israel entered the promised land, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You see, the lawlessness continues. The disobedience continues. Even through the amazing way God was fighting for Israel and was there for his nation. And it even did not stop today. You would think that by now we know the bitter history and we know that it doesn't pay off to be away from God. No, it uh, hasn't stopped today. Romans 1 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, period. I mean, all men everywhere who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. And you know what? There are bad news, but there are even worse news. <laughs> it's not getting better. It's getting worse. The Bible says that things are going to get a lot worse than that. 
If you think that things uh, we've seen reveal how bad it's going to get, you have not been exposed to the Word of God. Things are going to get much worse. The Bible talks about a period of seven years that the world, the unbelieving world, the world that has rejected the light of God, the world that has rejected the Son of God, that world is going to go through. And this time, God himself is going to judge. And there's going to be three sets of judgments of the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls. And it is in the book of Revelation from chapter 6 all the way through chapter 16 and on. And you can clearly see that things are not Look, COVID is a joke compared to what this world is going to go through. Listen, the Bible talks about how there will be not just wars and, and, and famines and death, but there will be a death of a quarter of the population of the world. If we have 8 billion today, 2 billion people will, will die in the first set of judgment. If that's not enough, we can clearly see that in the seven trumpets, a third of the veg- a third of the vegetation destroyed all across the world. A third of sea life ship destroyed. A third of fresh water is poisoned. A third of the sun, moon, and the, the stars, of course, are darkened. The Bible says that there's going to be demonic locusts in, in, the, air, in, the, in the world. Fire, brimstone, a third of mankind are killed. If we lost a quarter before, now another third is being lost. And then, of course, we see that we move on to something even greater than that, where boils, all sea life is destroyed, all water is poisoned, scourging sun will, will, will torture men, and yet they will not, um, uh, they will not uh, uh, repent and give him glory. And deep darkness, rebellious mankind, curse God. And then, of course, the dying of the, the drying of the Euphrates River and the battle of world's armies. All of that is still in the future. Look, if we think it's bad now, now it's heaven on earth compared to what the future is having in store for the non-believers. The moral state of the world. The Bible says in Romans 1, therefore God has has gave them up to uncleanness in lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature that are, uh, other, rather than the creator who is a blessed forever. Amen. We are going to see an ever deteriorating moral state of this world. Isaiah 5 says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Why is he saying that? Because people will call evil good and good evil. Woe to those who put darkness to light. Anything that the Bible describes as works of darkness today is being celebrated and paraded. It's being up to the light. In fact, people who do good things must do them right now in the dark. They must go underground because they're being ridiculed while all the horrific moral uh, uh, decline of this world is being celebrated. Those who put bitter to sweet and sweet to bitter. Woe to them as well. It's just here all throughout the scriptures. We see that in the lawlessness in the streets, in the decline, uh, 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 the whole sexual identity revolution and fluidity. Speaking of how it's a pride, uh, prideful thing to parade and and do all of these things. We see how they burn cities. We see how there is lack of um, self-responsibility. We see 
that basically all the indicators of a collapse, a soon collapse of either a country, an empire, or the world, all the boxes are being checked as we speak right now. So Romans 1 really declares and specifically saying all of these things. And, and, and look, when you see that, you can see that uh, it's a, a long list of everything we see all around us today. First John 2 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Isn't that everything we see today all over social media, all over the world? People are showing off with everything that should look uh, you know, very, very flashy and, 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 and sparkly. sparkly. And, and it's just, uh, the Greek word of that is alazonea, which means the empty presumption which trusts in the stability of earthly things. Isn't that interesting? People trust the stability of earthly things, whereas we know that everything in this world is going to collapse. Speaking of, what about the physical state of this world? Romans 8 says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the, rev the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to what? Futility. Not willingly. Creation, not willingly. Look what the sin of man did to it. But because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with what? Birth pangs together until now. And when Jesus described the birth pangs, he describes Natural disasters. He described even physical uh, condition of this planet as something that is collapsing. And it's amazing. So we, we see a moral decline. We see the physical decline of this planet. And by the way, you can put plaster, but it will never cure the problem. You can try to reduce one degree temperature. You can try to uh, make things green. But let me tell you something. The problem of this world is sin, not uh, omission of, of CO2. The, the problem of this world is the sinful nature of man. And therefore, that is exactly what c uh, causes all of the problems. So by trying to fix the world that our sinful nature destroyed without dealing with the actual problem of sin, you already know that it's um, destined to failure. What about the spiritual state of this world? The world we know hates the light. We see Christian persecution, every Christian persecution at near genocide levels, the Bible says in 2019. Christianity is the most persecuted religion in the world. And this is, of course, already from also uh, 2019. This is not ancient history. This is right now in our world today. John 3, 18 to 21 says, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men, what? They love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Look, when I know it's a horrible analogy, but I'll tell you that. It's like peeing in a diaper 
and not wanting to change the diaper because it's pretty warm. And I know it's a terrible uh, thing, but you know, you have to understand I'm a father of four kids that, and I know, I know one thing. I know that the world feels very comfortable with teachings that makes, that enables all of their bad deeds because, you know, this is it. We get, you know, I have a friend in the Philippines who, who started teaching that all men are saved. And you know what? Suddenly, all the celebrities in that country are flocking to hear this teaching. Why? Because now you can actually live any way you want. All men are saved anyway. So, yeah, who cares? The Bible says that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. It's interesting how when you see the light, when you, when you come to faith, you actually initiate this act of coming clean. You want to come to the light. You want that purifying sunlight to clean you. You want to get rid of this which, which brings you down and makes you feel guilty and filthy and all of that thing. You know, it's a vicious circle. And if there is one thing I know about the enemy is that he will always remind you of your past, even as a believer. He will remind you as a, as, as a non-believer, even while you are a believer today. And he will always tell you that you're still weak and that you're still sinful and that you, there is no way for you, there is no future for you, there is no chance for you, because that's who he is. He is the father of all lies and he's the accuser of the brethren. John 15 says, in the world, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Look at, look, I'm telling you, if you're a Christian and the world loves you, something must be wrong in the way you live because this is a, 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 something that is so biblical. N not that I want the world to hate me, but what does light have to do with darkness? Darkness will never want light around because light cast out the darkness. Light exposes the dark deeds. And therefore, they will not like you because of the light that you have, because of the fact that your presence actually casts light on the things that they don't want light to be casted on. And the world hates you. And if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So as much as we, we want to be loved, remember, if you belong to the Lord, this world will not like you. This world will not be your home anymore. This world, that's what he says, you are not of the world. I chose you out of the world. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9-12, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, sign, lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth. So we, we can clearly see where it goes in these, in these bad news of this world. The world is not going to get better, it's going to get worse, and it is eventually destined to be very harshly judged by God. But then comes the ugly news. And the ugly news are, 
the thing that we don't like to deal with because it involves the good news and the bad news together. It involves those who have the great promises of God, those who are now the children of God, one beautiful chosen people, the ambassadors of Jesus, and it involves also this fallen world. The Bible says that we must watch some of the events unfold. Some of the bad things that this world is going to go through or is already going through is some things that we are to watch and witness and be part of. This is ugly, I know. But Jesus never promised a garden of roses to his followers. He never said, in this world, you will have no problems. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation. John 16, 3, in this world, you will have tribulation. This is ugly, I know. It is not something we, we want to uh, you know, hold on to. But Jesus is not going to lie to his disciples. He said, look. This is an ugly place. This is a dark place. This is a, a, a place that hates the light. But I want to tell you something. This is exactly why as long as you are in this world, you will experience persecution and troubles. Since this is true, there is a call to readiness for the believer. We must have a battle plan. Paul described the days in which we live as evil. The Bible says, and, and, and then how much more today, if, if he lived in evil time, can you imagine how we can uh, call our days today? This is why Paul and others emphasize three primary characteristics that should define every believer living in these last days. So as we enter into this uh, ugly news, remember we also were given uh, the, 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 the way, the, the, the ability to exercise three important things that will lead us through the ugly time. First of all, endurance. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they, they do it to obtain perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus not with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one beats in the air. I mean, we, we, we have to be focused on what, where we are going and why. And then he says, less when I have preached to others, I myself. He says, I have disciplined my body and bring it into subjection. Less when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. The second one. Patience. Ladies and gentlemen, Psalm 37, 7 says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the men who brings wicked schemes to pass. The Bible says in Romans 12, Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. You see, 
We're not just to sit and complain and be angry. We have to be patient in tribulation, and we have to continually, continuing steadfastly in prayer. We, we, we were given instructions how to behave in the time that is ugly when the good news are mixed with the bad news, when we, with the great promises, are still here in this terrible world. James 1, 2-4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the things of your faith produces patience. You know, so many people want the rapture tomorrow. They, 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 they actually think God is late. They actually think, oh, that's it. No, God wants us to be patient. Patience is an amazing, amazing uh, attribute. Look at it. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Patience is something that builds character and it is it's doing its work. And then, of course, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And then comes perseverance. Romans 5 says, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, watch, stand fast in faith, be brave, be strong. Galatians 6, 9, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You see, perseverance, we have to not lose heart. We have to be agents of righteousness. We don't Listen, it's so easy to fall nowadays with everything that is going on into despair, into anger, into fear, into murmuring and complaining and being angry, anxious. But he says, no, let us not grow weary while doing good. Do good things. Be, it's not just a, you know, a new world religion of doing good. He said, we are the agents of good deeds. Do good things for in due season. Not now. Don't expect it now. You know, our treasures are in heaven. In due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Revelation 3.11 Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. Hold fast. Hold on. Persevere. Have patience. Have endurance. These are the things. Look, if... if if he thought that our life would be so easy, why would he ask us to have patience and perseverance and endurance? These are characteristics that we need to have, especially when things get ugly. Of course, in order to display these characteristics in our own life, we must first take up the full armor of God. You see, this is an important thing that Ephesians chapter 6 is teaching us. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on not some, not part, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the vials of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In this very ugly part of, uh, of our life uh, in this world, 
We were equipped. We were given the full armor, but we are told to put it on, the Bible says. Do not wrestle against flesh and body, says. But against what? The rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in that evil day, the Bible says. And, and, and having done all to stand, the Bible says. If there's one passage in particular that encompasses all three of these characteristics, it's included in Paul's letter to the Colossians. In this passage, Paul is using the assurance of our new standing before God as motivation for endurance, patience, and perseverance. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of, God, of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. And when the world is in chaos, the church has some of its most prime opportunities. And just as Paul says, persuade men, when trials and tribulations come, we must take a deep breath and, and, then we, and, and, and remember that God is in full control. Even when there are uh, pandemics and wars and rumors of wars and increased godly, uh, godlessness, and the Bible says we still have a responsibility. Ephesians 5 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. That's the ugly news. The days are evil. But the good news, we can, we're able to go through that if we are indeed redeeming the time, not as fools, but as wise. So as we conclude, let us just go back to the good news and remind ourselves that though the days we live in are indeed evil, there is so much to look forward to as, uh, to look forward to as the bride of Christ. You see, it's not over for us. We're awaiting any minute the rapture of the church. We are awaiting the most amazing thing that can happen to us. Thankfully, we will get rid of this sinful body, of this lowly body, of this tent. The Bible says, for this way I say to you by the word of the Lord in 1 Thessalonians 4, he says that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with a voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. 
Therefore, see, it's an ugly thing to live in this world as believers, but therefore comfort one another with these words. So when everything is so terrible, remind yourself that there is yet a great thing coming, and it is around the corner. If Paul thought it may happen in his lifetime, and he did not see half of the things we can see today with the return of the Jews to the land, with a fig tree coming back to life, with a preparation of this world for the Ezekiel war, and with the complete decline of this world in every aspect, we can clearly see that we have much more and a greater reason to comfort one another with these words. Titus 2 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope. We are looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing. This is the word that is reserved to the rapture. When Jesus appears, is not returning and staying. He appears, and the Bible says, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good work. We are not to think just about the rapture, but we are going to stand right before the Bema seat of Christ. That this is the end Christ died and rose and lived again, and that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. The place where we're going to be rewarded, not punished. The place we're going to either not receive or receive, but it's rewards. It's not punishment. It's not hell. It's not the lake of fire. Second Corinthians 5 says, therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, the Bible says. But we are, you see, this is an amazing thing. We're going to stand for the first time only believers only in, in, in the heavenly realm before Christ, something that is going to happen while the whole world is going to go through a great tribulation. And if that's not enough, then comes the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation 19 says, I heard it for the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. While the world goes through a terrible time of tribulation, the bride of Christ is in heaven getting ready for that marriage that will take in heaven. And it's amazing because after we are the bride and we are having that marriage, then, and we will never be separated from him again, then his return to earth to reign and rule for a thousand years is not without us. It is with us. Not only that we are being taken, and by doing that we will change to his image, but we are also going to be receiving our crowns and our rewards. We're going to have the marriage supper. We're going to be that bride. And now we're coming back with him 
and reign with him, as Daniel says, then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the king in the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Second Timothy said in chapter 2, verses 11 to 13, This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. And if we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. We have a promise not just to come back with him, but also live and reign with him. Revelation 20. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. The first resurrection is, is not for all the dead that will have to stand before the white gray throne of judgment. It's the resurrection of the saints is a resurrection for the rapture. And it says, over such the second death, the final death, the, 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 the end of all sin, that second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God in Christ and shall reign with him, exactly says, for a thousand years. And of course, the thousand years, even in the thousand years, is uh, not the best way to end that. Because Satan will be released at the end of the thousand years. He'll go about to deceive the nations and many, many will join him. And of course, God will destroy them. And only when the new Jerusalem is going to come down and, and for, for us, this is when it is going to be final and eternal now I saw new heavens and new earth. It's not just earth, new heaven, all the constellation, all the galaxies, everything is going to be made new. New heaven, new earth. A lot of people are asking me, do you think earth is flat? I'm like, no, earth is not flat. But maybe one day when there is going to be a new Jerusalem, when he will make the heaven and the earth new, maybe that's when you have a chance. <laughs> but right now, it's not the case. I saw new heaven and new earth for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. So we, we have to hold on to the good news. We have to remember that this world has some bad news. We have to remember that the ugly news is that we're still here until he's taking us out of here, and we have to practice patience, endurance, and perseverance. But of course, we have to remember that the best is yet to come. 1 Corinthians 2, 6-9 However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which 
none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. The best thing you can think of is not good enough compares to what God is going to uh, prepare for all of us. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in this world. We have to remember, there are some good news, there are some bad news. We heard of the ugly news, but we must remember that God is faithful. And he who promised is faithful. And we are soon out of here. And until then, he equipped us with everything we need. The full armor of God. We just need to put on that full armor. And we must remember this thing, as uh, 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 Paul said, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. We understand that there are things that we are to go through, but we thank you, A, that you did not leave us as orphans and you sent the Holy Spirit to teach us and guide us and comfort us and lead us, but you also, Father, gave us the full armor that we should take on we should also, Father, remember that uh, these days are evil and we must redeem them. We must be re redeeming them as wise and not as fools. So, Father, help us in these last days to redeem the time, redeem the days, to be agents of righteousness. And until he comes to take us out of here, may we uh, occupy and, and may we be about your business. We thank you. We even thank you that you reveal to us the bad news so we will know what you are going to save us from. And we will gain even greater appreciation to the love that you have shown to us through Jesus. So we thank you and we bless you and we ask all of this in the matchless name of the Holy One of Israel, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, Emmanuel, Thankfully, God is with us and there is peace that we have now with God. We've got the gospel of peace that we now have. We thank you and we bless you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and all of God's people say, Amen. Thank you, God bless you, and Shalom. Thanks for listening to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Connect with Behold Israel on Telegram, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Download our free app, available in Android and Apple under Behold Israel. Amir's teachings can be found in multiple languages. You can also visit our website, beholdisrael.org.